0: going to be in Acts chapter number 15. Acts chapter number 15. Again, it's been absolutely amazing to watch God take the book of Acts in this church and take the book of Acts and what this church is undergoing and what this church is pushing through and what this church is, is, uh, is marching forward with and just message by message, piece by piece, put our hearts together, bring our hearts into one mind and one accord and use the book of Acts so mightily. As Father's Day was approaching, as Father's Day was rolling around many weeks ago, I said, do, do, do I pause the book of Acts, Lord, and maybe go find and dig out a Father's Day message? Or do I do this? Or do I do this? This is my first time doing this, Lord. I've never preached a Father's Day before. You tell me what to do. And he says, well, you're, you're in the book of Acts. I haven't told you to leave the book of Acts. So we're going to be in Acts, chapter number 15. We were in Acts 14 last week. And by way of review, we looked at the beginning of the mission work of Paul and Barnabas. We saw Paul and Barnabas take off on that first mission trip, that separate work God had them called to. And we know that God said, go, and they went, and they began to stir some dust up, didn't they? And they began to go, and they began to preach under power and, uh, and might of the Holy Ghost and be able to sow that seed that was being sown. And the Holy Ghost worked, and the Holy Ghost did something great. And we know that God's men suffered persecution because of that. They were They were kicked out. They were thrown out of the coast of that city. But we know that when all the dust settled, that those men had joy and that those believers had joy. Why? Because they had the Holy Spirit of God and they had him when they went into the city and they knew he was still there when they came out of the city. And we saw these men begin to walk on and begin to do uh, more works and more things. And uh, this morning, we're going to zoom in on just another example, just another time when God is doing something, but many of us don't have the willingness to just simply stay out of the way and let him do it. This morning, let's stand in Acts chapter number 15. We're going to begin reading in verse number six. Acts chapter number 15, we're going to begin reading in verse number 6. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, you see there's an argument taking place. Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, ye know that how a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. This is not our text verse this morning, but I want the church to read verse 9 because it's needed in 2020. And put no difference between us and them as... I messed that one up. Verse number nine, let's try it again. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. If there's ever a verse we need to hear in 2020, it's that one. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. All things are equal at the foot of the cross. Amen. All ground is level. Verse number 10, this is our text verse. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither are fathers? nor we were able to bear. This morning, I want to preach on this thought, what daddy couldn't carry. What daddy couldn't carry. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the book of Acts. Thank you for once again aligning your message with your messenger and your people. God, I pray that the people that have come to this place not come to check a box, not come just because it's Father's Day and they're fulfilling an obligation or they're fulfilling an invitation, but God, I pray that they realize that there was a divine appointment for them to be here, that there was a divine God in heaven, there was somebody that was in control that aligned that they were here to hear this message. God, I pray that they open their ears. Let there be no distraction. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every vice and every uh, trick of the devil that would seek to distract and seek to harm the, mis- the mission of the gospel, that would seek to harm the cause of. Christ this morning, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every cell phone, that you bind every device, that you bind any and all things that Satan could use to distract from your message this morning. God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Let's be seated. We see an argument taking place. And we see Peter stand up and we see Peter address some things. And again, they are having this, they are not quite understanding uh, this thing of the Gentiles receiving the Holy Ghost. They're not understanding this thing of people that look different than them, that worship different than them, that acted different than them, that were not looking for God. They were having trouble understanding exactly what had taken place. And we're going to go through that and exactly what happened. But at the end of the day, Peter stands up and he says, why tempt you the Lord thy God by putting the yoke upon the neck, which our fathers, nor us were able to carry. He was asking the question, why are you trying to put back on men the power that has been placed on an almighty God? Why are you trying to carry something that you were never meant to carry? And this morning, daddy, why are you trying to carry something that you were never meant to carry? And as we think about dad and we think about our fathers and we think about the men that we've had the the blessing, if you've had the opportunity to know your father, you are in a minority in this country. If you had the, uh, the, and I said that right. If you had the opportunity to know who your father is, you are the minority in this country. That's the statistic we're looking at. Second, if you had the opportunity to have that man in your home, you are way farther a minority being in that category. The biggest issue is not of color. It's not of political. It's not of this. It's not of that. It is the breakdown and the attack on the home and the destruction by fatherlessness in every community, this is a very serious issue we're dealing with. And as Peter stood up, he says, Why are you trying to do something that daddy couldn't do? Why are you trying to get back into man's flesh? Why are you trying to get back into man's abilities? And we're going to take a look at that. As I think about my dad, my dad is Superman, he can do anything. I can call my dad and it doesn't matter what question leaves my mouth. I know my dad will have the answer. I know my dad will be able to help me. I know my dad, he may even drop what he's doing and come to the place where I am to assist me and to help me. And I know that Father's Day can be a very hard day for some because they don't have that. Kids, count it all joy, count it all blessing that you simply know who your dad is, that you can call your dad, that you can talk to your dad. I understand mama and daddy may not have been able to work out and mama and daddy may not have been able to carry on and do this and do that or whatever. But if you have a dad that you can pick up the phone and call, you ought to treat him like he's superman. You ought to look at him like there's nothing he can't do. You will never change my mind about my dad. You will never change my opinion about my dad. No matter what you would try to say about him, no matter, not that anybody has, but no matter what somebody might try to say or what somebody try, might try to speak, no matter what opinions they might try to throw at me, you cannot change my perspective on my father. You cannot change the way I look at him. He is a hero to me. He is a man to me that has mentored me. He's a man that I am glad to walk In his footsteps. And dads, we ought to be the kind of dad, we ought to be the kind of father that when we're walking, we are not fearful of our... Children following in our footsteps. We ought to not go to those places where we would be fearful for our sons and our daughters to follow in those footsteps. We ought to be the kind of man that when we walk and when we carry ourselves through this thing called life, when we go to the places of business, when we go to the places of pleasure, when we go to the places of entertainment, that we never go, we never walk, we never seek out the places and we never seek out the things that we would not want our own children following us into. If you would not want your own children going to those places, you should not be going. those places. Dads, we ought to be the kind of man that we want our daughter to find. Let me say that again. We ought to be the kind of man that we want our daughter to find. And only a man knows this. Look at your own heart. Would you want your daughter finding a man like you? Would you want your daughter finding a man that prioritizes things like you do? Father's Day is something that is very, very, very needed in this country right now. Something we got to take serious. Something that we got to address. But as we look to Scripture, Peter asked this question. Daddy couldn't carry it. Daddy couldn't do this. Daddy could not. And I would submit that that is the same question that we're asking. And we're putting the blame in places. And we're putting, as dads, we're putting the fear in places. And we're putting the expectation in places that they were never meant to be. So what happened here in the book of Acts? Number one, a fleshly direction. Look at verse number one in chapter number 15. And certain men... Did it say the Holy Spirit of God? Did it say God came and told them to do this? Did it say God had any origin in this business at all? No, it says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses... You cannot be saved. Now, this was something that was birthed right out of the pits of hell. This was something that was birthed right out of the minds of men. This was something, and I want you to take note, anytime that there's a new idea, anytime that there is an addition to the gospel of Jesus Christ, anything that there time that there's a subtraction from the gospel of Christ, it does not come from the mind of an Almighty God. It does not come from Scripture. It does not come from your King James Version Bible. It does not come from the Bible that's sitting in your laps. It does not come from your prayer relationship with God. It does not come with his relationship with you. It comes from the minds and the vices and the manipulations of men. They here, they come to the book of Acts and they begin to add things. They begin to add things to the gospel. And they had seen these Jewish or these Gentiles be saved. And they begin to say, You must be circumcised now that you've become a Christian, now that you've believed the gospel. We are now going to place upon you the rituals and the ceremonies of Judaism. We are now going to ask that you be circumcised. And then they took it one step further unless you do this, you're not saved. Unless you perform this, you cannot be saved. That's what it says in verse number one. Again, it says, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. You know what that is? Blasphemy. Salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. That's it. It is nothing by what we could do, not of works, which we could work, not of things, but it is the gift of God into salvation, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that is what they were facing from the very beginning of the church days. This thing of, well, you have to go through this, and you have to do this, and you have to say this, and you have to pay this, is nothing new. It's been happening from the book of Acts all the way up until now. Men have seeked to profit. Men have seeked to divide. And it is from men's minds that these things come. So this is where the division started. This is where the questioning began. This is where this argument that we're going to come back to later... Started to take place. Certain men burst an idea, and they said, "Yes, you got saved, and that's great. But you're going to have to add these laws and these statutes back to what you're doing. In order, if you don't, then well, then it's very simple. You're not saved. Well, that doesn't happen today, does it? Well, it's great that you say Christ changed your life, and it's great that you say Christ did this for you. But unless you join the church, you're not saved. No, no, no. There's nowhere in your Bible." It's great what Christ did in your heart. It's great. But, but unless you go dunk yourself in that baptismal, well, you're, you're not going to heaven. No, no, no. Did the thief on the cross have to go get baptized? But Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise, didn't he? And not only that, well, and here's where we get, they get a lot of us. Well, yeah, what Jesus did in your life is great. And what Jesus did. But, but if you don't give and you don't put X amount in that plate... Then you must not be going to heaven. You start to see the argument that was taking place here. It is the age old debate of religious versus relationship, of works versus faith, of action versus inaction and faith alone. This is what's taking place. This is the argument. And I want you to understand that. I want you to understand what Peter was standing up against, what Peter was standing up to squash, as they were simply saying that the works of Moses, the works of the law, were necessary to be added to the faith in order for somebody to go to heaven. That is false. That is a lie. That is still going on. And even Baptist church, We've got Calvinism in Baptist churches now. We've got things that are completely and totally. That were squashed. That were openly denounced as blaspheme. Taking place in our pews today. But it's of a, a fleshly origin. A fleshly direction. Next. A furious dissension. What happened when the preacher boys heard about it? In verse number two. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. They didn't stand for it one second. They didn't allow that that fallacy, that false doctrine to be preached, to be preached. They immediately stood against it and notice these Jews that had been saved, these Jews that were trying to push this doctrine, these Jews that were trying to force this ideology, these Jews that were trying to teach these things, they said, we're not going to listen to you. Who are you? You're just some missionary. I want you to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to go back to the head honchos. I want you to go back to Peter. I want you to go back to James and John. I want you to go back to the, uh, the holy huddle back there in Jerusalem. And I want you to get their sign of approval. I want to hear what they have to say. No doubt Paul and his temper, we all know Paul had a temper. We'd see it. We're going to see it some more in the days ahead. Paul and his might and his temper and, and if y'all got to understand who Paul is, Paul is known and well studied to be a very small stature of a man. And as he hears these things and he's ready to just put his dukes up and he's ready to let them have it, he's ready. They say, Buddy, we're not going to take your word for it. We want you to go back to Jerusalem. We want you to go back to the Holy Huddle. We want you to go back to Peter and James and John and find out what they have to say about this. So Paul and Barnabas say, Okay, we will. And not only was there a furious, a furious dissension, but there was a favorable declaration as they're coming back home, as they're making their journey home in verse number three, and bring brought on their way by the church. They passed through Phoenix and Samaria. Declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused what? Great joy to all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and the elders and declared all things that God had done with them. They were given a warm welcome. When they got back to Jerusalem as they passed through and they're sharing about all the things God had done and all the Gentiles God had saved and all the lives God had changed and all the miracles God had worked and all the things that God has done, they are receiving a very, very warm welcome. They are are received with joy. They are received with gladness. But we would notice a futile dispute was on its way. They said, Paul, Barnabas, it's great. It's great that you're back. But we know that there's some murmurings going on out there and there's some details We've got to work out. There's some details behind the scenes. There's some details out there on the We hear that there's certain men trying to circumcise people and tell them that if they're not circumcised, if they're not abiding under these laws, then they're not saved. Paul, your return is great. Your, your, your return is amazing. We're all glad you're here. But there's some serious business we've got to discuss. There was a dispute. That was about to take place. And we know that in that dispute, we pick back up in our text verses and begin in, number, in chapter number, or verse number six. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, this is why I call it a futile dispute. When man's wisdom comes to dispute against man wisdom, it goes nowhere. When man's ideas and man's ideas come together and they try to pick out the best man's idea, it goes nowhere. And what we finally realize and what they finally realize there in that place, what Peter finally realized is if you are there seeking the knowledge and the wisdom of man, if you are there following and searching for the wisdom of a human being, if you are there trying to get the answer out of a group of men, out of a committee of men, out of a circle of brethren, you will go nowhere. And Peter stood up in his frustration and we could always count on Peter at standing when somebody needed to stand and saying when somebody needed to say. We can always count on Peter to be the one that in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of trouble would stand up for God and say on for God. And that's what he did in verse number seven. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know that a good while ago God made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel. What he just said was there. I was there. I saw the Holy Ghost come down and move on those Gentiles. I saw the Holy Ghost come down and save those Gentiles. I was there, boys. I watched the Holy Ghost change those pagans. I watched the Holy Ghost change the way they walk, change the way they talk, change them from the inside out. I watched those boys. I watched those women. I watched those kids get saved. You're not going to sit back here and argue about what they got to do next because I was there. I know that we didn't have to circumcise anybody. I know that we didn't have to go do this, and we didn't have to go do that, we didn't have to go through this, Rich. I watched the Holy Ghost of God move into their hearts. Number one, he says, Daddy couldn't carry it. Verse number 10, it says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God, oh, church, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers, nor we were able to bear some of you may not know what a yoke is. How many of you have ever seen an old western movie and you see them cattle or you see them ox or you see them mules and they're pulling that plow or they're pulling that chariot and they've got that uh, wood beam going across their necks and it goes right across the back of their necks and on each end of it they would attach the harness, attach the rope and that's what they would pull against. It would dis- distribute the, the pressure and the load of the weight that they were pulling, the weight that they were carrying. If they just tied a rope around the neck they would choke themselves or if they tied a rope around the waist of the animal it would cut off the circulation. They had to distribute that load. They had to distribute that weight, they had to make it in such a way that they could bear it for a certain amount of time. They had to make it in such a way that they could carry it for a certain, a certain amount of time. And it's so amazing how Peter uses this yoke here and how he talks about how why are you trying to tempt the Lord thy God by asking your fathers, by asking their fathers, by asking these people to carry something that we couldn't carry, to carry something that our fathers couldn't carry? And what it what was it that daddy couldn't carry? What was it that daddy couldn't fulfill? What was this yoke? What was this thing he was speaking about? What was it that was so big that they couldn't carry it? What was it that was so heavy that they couldn't march forward with it? But what was it that was so common and so known to them that they were trying to put back on and they were trying to reintroduce Number one, daddy couldn't carry the yoke of the commandments. The laws of God. Now, we notice here when he speaks of these, this yoke, he's not taught, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about all the, command, the Jewish commandments in the Torah. He's talking about 613 Jewish laws that they would have to uphold. Peter was in no, no way saying that the Ten Commandments were void here. There's a lot of people out there that try to dissect that and pull that out of this. But what he's saying to these men, what he's saying to these brethren is daddy couldn't carry the 10, let alone the 613. You and me, boys, you and me, brethren, we are not worthy of being able to pass the test of the Ten Commandments. What are the Ten Commandments? Could you, as a father, could you tell your kids what the Ten Commandments are? As a son, could you tell your lost father what the Ten Commandments are? As a dad, as a Christian dad in the home, can you look at your babies? Can you look at your sons? Can you look at your daughters and say, hey, there's a yoke that God called us to carry, that God called the people of Israel to carry, and it was called the law of God. It was called the Ten Commandments. here's what they are. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thyself any graven image. And you'd go down the list and you'd begin to name these. And no doubt Peter did. No doubt Peter said we couldn't even prevent ourselves from worshiping idols. We couldn't even present our, prevent ourselves from worshiping a golden cow in the wilderness outside of the Promised Land. We couldn't even pre- prevent ourselves from creating graven images and making statues out of that Egyptian gold. We couldn't even prevent ourselves from doubting His presence and doubting His power at the, at the Red Sea. We could, our fathers couldn't carry that law. Our fathers couldn't be successful in that law And so many fathers today, they quit on God, they back up because they see those Ten Commandments and they go, there's no way I could shoulder that. There's no way I could carry that. And they quit before they ever even get started because they miss it. They think they're supposed to carry it. No, no, no. Not just the law of God, but the law of Moses. Those 613 I told you about. Those were the laws in the rest of the Torah and numbers deuteronomy and leviticus that went in well if this happens this is what you do and if this happens this is what you do and if this happens this is what you do and the ins and outs and the commas and the semicolons and the comma the comma the comma and and, and this and that and that and if you started to read it if you started to go down those books it would get very very wordy very fast you'd have to really pause and take time to understand all these laws, they were so woven together. Why did that happen? That's because men <coughs> and Moses got together and those Levites and those priests got together with God and they started to ask those questions and they started to say, well, well Lord, what, what, what if this happens? And God said, well, if that happens, you do this. Well, well, well Lord, what, what if this happens? Well, if that happens, you do this. And he began to weave together these 613 Jewish laws that no man could possibly follow. No man could ever walk in, in, the, in the way. But there were a group of men called the Pharisees who thought they had all 613 dialed in. They thought they had all 613 covered. They were made to be able to recite them. They were made to be able to know them by heart. At any point, they would have been able to walk up to somebody and quote them back to them and say, excuse me, sir, you're in violation of rule 524 that says when you go to the supermarket, you're supposed to park in this space and you're supposed to return your buggy. And because you didn't return your buggy and you were that lazy person that left it out in the middle of the parking lot, you're coming back to the synagogue with me and we're going to book you, mister. You got to pay X amount of dollars. I'm sure leaving your buggy at the wrong spot in the supermarket was in one of those 613 laws. That irks me. That drives me crazy. You can walk all over the store. You can go up and down every aisle. You can pull every sweater to see if it's on clearance. But when it comes time to walk 10 feet to put your buggy up, you just don't have the Strength. baloney, and dads were the worst about it we're the worst about it don't just look at them ladies and go say oh i wonder if they got any golf balls on clearance and you'll walk halfway across the store to go to the golf section when you came in for a thing of milk and you'll get back out and oh the buggy returns all the way over there the laws of men the laws of moses Peter said, why are you trying to put these things back on us? You can't even return your buggy. How are you going to tell these people that they got to be circumcised? How are you going to tell these people that they got to cross this I and dot this T? Yes, I know I said that backwards. They had it backwards too. And how are you going to tell these people that they got to do this and they got to do that? You can't even follow them. You couldn't even carry it. Your dad couldn't carry it. His granddad couldn't carry it. These are laws that were made to show us our sin. These were laws that were made to show us that this burden is too big for us to bear. These were laws that no daddy could ever carry. No daddy that could ever fulfill, but here's what happens. Satan gets in and he says, see, you'll never be worthy of them Ten Commandments. Why try? You'll never be able to fulfill those 613 laws. Why? Well, we don't abide by those 613 laws in the church today, do we? Are you married? Yeah, there's more than 613. Right there. Right there. You know what I'm talking about, dad. Dad. Well, there's no way we could possibly live up to that. You're right. You're right. Not just the laws of Moses, but the laws of peers. Now, these laws aren't written down anywhere. These laws change every day. But what Peter was saying to those boys is the only reason you're doing this the only reason you're trying to put these standards and put these limitations on these beliefs, the only reason you think this is a good idea, the only reason you're trying to teach this is because you care about what he thinks and you care about what he thinks and you're watching what he's a doing and you're watching what he's a doing and you're watching what all these men are doing and you see what makes them happy. You see the talking points that get them to say amen. You see the talking points that get them riled up and excited and the only reason you're doing any of this is for the praise of men. It's for the laws of the peers and you think the only reason you want to check this box, the only reason you want wear a tie because he wears a tie the only reason you want to sing is because she wants to sing the only reason you want to serve God is because this is something that is too big for you to carry when you're doing things for any other than God Almighty it's going to fail you it's going to fail you when you try to live yourself in such a way because he is what happens when he fails when you try to walk in such a way and dress in such a way because he is what happens when he fails? Peter's looking at them men straight and they're God-given eyeballs. Saying, are you kidding me? Moses couldn't do it. Moses couldn't do it. He failed God numerous times. Abraham could Joshua couldn't do it. Joseph couldn't do it. All these men of old, all these men that have more spirituality and their pinky nail than we have in our whole body, they couldn't do it. Who do you think you are? That's what Peter was saying. Dad, you were never meant to carry that. You were never meant to be the one that would fulfill the law. You were never meant to be the one that would fulfill all those 613 statutes and limitations. You were never been the one that to impress your peers. You were never to be the one that got the attention. That's why you can't carry it. Number one, God, daddy couldn't carry the commandments. Number two, daddy couldn't carry the commitments. Now this is where laws kind of pass off the scene. Peter looks at him and says, the yoke that neither our fathers nor us were able to bear. These commitments. You see, Judaism had reached a point where it was just a paternal tradition where there was no presence of God anymore. There was no blessing of the Father anymore. There was 400 years of silence where he did not speak to those Jews until he came to John the Baptist and Mary and said, Jesus is on his way. Judaism and and Peter's text had reached the point where they had totally and completely walked away from God, their father. And they were completely and totally dependent on the Jewish men and what they said and what they were going to do. And you see that the only way for a young man to become a Jew was if his daddy told him to. The only way for a young boy to become a Jew is if his daddy said, you are going to the synagogue and you are going to have a bar mitzvah and you are going to do this and you are going to wear your little funny hat and you're going to do it and Junior, get your tail back over here in the synagogue and you are going to do this because I said so. We endanger that in the Baptist church. You're going to put that tie on. You're going to lace them shoes up. You're going to sit on that front row and you're going to sit your tail down. You're going to listen to that preacher. You better not fall asleep. You better not pass out. You better not be on your phone. And I want you to do this son because I said so. Not he said so, not because the Bible says so, because I said so. It's what the Jews had turned into. It's what the Jewish religion, a culture of people, God had called out to be beautiful. God had called out to be his sweetheart. God had called out to know him and talk to him and receive him, had now rejected him and crucified him. Why? Because they were all built on daddy trying to carry it on daddy trying to say, now son, we do this because uh, I'm following these laws and, and I'm watching all the other Pharisees and, and son, now this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do, son. If you go out there, they'll excommunicate you. You won't get to be a Jew anymore. They'll take your funny hat. It sounds silly. But how many times do we reach for those lost and we're holding on by the threat of we only want you to come to church because who am I going to sit by? Instead of Jesus wants you there, Jesus desires your worship, Jesus desires your praise, Jesus desires your soul, Jesus desires a relationship with you. It had turned into just a paternal tradition. It had turned into just something Daddy did, and it had turned into something Daddy was trying to carry. But he couldn't carry that commitment to his family. He couldn't carry it. Why? Because he was a man like you and like me, and he'd fail. And that's how the Jews would slip farther and farther away. As one failed father after another. It was a paternal tradition, but it was a potential terror. Potential terror. The Jews had slipped so far away because of all the daddies that were trying to carry this burden. That they were in danger of missing the gospel altogether. They were in danger of never, not one Jew, hearing the word of God and responding to it. They were maybe one generation away. Do you think it was coincidence Jesus came at the exact time He did? No, I don't. He wanted to give those Jews at the last possible chance because Jesus knew they were about one generation away. They were about one failed dad away. They were about one broken home away of never knowing who the Messiah was, of never looking for Him again, of never searching for Him again, of never been able to see His law and see the New Testament revealed in the Old and see the Messiah revealed in the miracles which He did and see the cross of Calvary. For They were one generation away. Because it was a potential for terror. When they saw Jesus coming, they had to think way back to what granddad said, didn't they? Because their dad had long walked away. Their granddad maybe had long walked away. It's a 400-year span here. Between the last time Jesus and God was talking to His people and when Jesus came. They had to to think way back. Why? Why? Because daddy was trying to carry it. Because daddy was trying to do it. He was never meant to. God never asked that. God wanted to talk to each and every individual believer. God wanted to talk to Joseph just like he talked to Moses. God wanted to talk to Joshua just like he did to Moses. God wanted to talk to Elisha just like he did to Elijah. God wants to talk to my son just like he talks to me. It is not dad. 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 You can't carry your child's spiritual relationship with God. You can only show them your spiritual relationship with God and let it be something that they desire for themselves. You can't force it. You can't generate it. You can't create it. They were one generation away from that being gone, from their kids ever looking for God again. Are we there? Are we there? One generation away. We're teaching these little kids out here in the KFC program. And you teach them about Jonah and the whale and their eyes. If I talk about Jonah and the whale in here, everybody would go, oh, here we go again. Jonah and the whale. But you go out there and you tell them, they've never heard anything like that before. They've never heard anything. A whale swallowed him? He's in there for how long? You're kidding. I'm not. You believe that? I'd believe it if he swallowed the whale. If that's what the Bible said. Moses parted the Red Sea. What? Are you kidding me? Dry land they walked. The KFC workers are the ones doing this. because But believe me, we're one generation. One of those kids never hearing anything about their Bibles. And it breaks my heart to know that the reason that that is... It's because daddies quit depending on God and put the dependence on themselves. And when they failed, they failed their kids. Daddy couldn't carry those commitments of the children, of the career. You try. Try it. Some of you do it every day, being a Christian in the career world, being a Christian and making a living. Try it. You think you can do that by yourself? You're wrong. Some of you have been trying to do it by yourself. Some of you are like big old light bulbs. I go to work without God. No wonder it's so hard. No wonder I, I get tempted to get angry. No wonder I get tempted to get frustrated because I left God at home. I left my Bible at home. I didn't pray before I walked into the building. I tried to fulfill that commitment and carry it all by myself. And God told me to go to work and to provide for my family and to provide for my youngins. And I'm trying my best, but I'm doing it alone. You were never meant to carry that by yourself. You were never meant to pick it up and take it. You were never meant to. It's the man's job to provide, absolutely. Positively. But God wants to do it with you. The children, the career, those commitments, daddy couldn't carry them. And now hear Paul, or Peter saying, why are you trying to make all these new believers? Why are you trying to go to these young Christians that just got saved? And tell them that it's up to them to carry all these things. Why are you trying to go to them and saying that it's up to them to fulfill this law, and it's up to them to fulfill that law, and it's up to them to make this commitment? And it's up, why are you trying to add the things that our dads couldn't carry? We've seen how that road ends. He couldn't carry, daddy couldn't carry the commandments, he couldn't carry the commitments. But lastly, look at verse number 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. He couldn't carry the commandments. He couldn't carry the commitments. Why? Because he couldn't carry the cross. There was only one that was commissioned to carry that cross. There was only one whose responsibility and not just his responsibility his willingness his own heart a lot of people think that Jesus just came down here because God made him or God called him to no Jesus said those are my people I love them he was there at the beginning when they were made in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was right there when he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground he was there when he formed Eve. he loved them he wanted a relationship with them from the very beginning and even after they fell in Genesis 3 when God made the promise that he would come Jesus I bet was ready to go Go right then. He was probably ready to come down. But God knew that that was not the plan. God had a plan. There was a promise made. Genesis number three. A promise made. A promise made. He looked at Satan. He said, you might bruise his heel, but he's going to smash your little snake head in. That's That's my rendition of the verse. You may bruise his heel. You may put three nails in his body. You may pierce his brow with thorns. But he is going to knock you into the bottomless pit, you sorry serpent. There was a promise made to Adam. To Eve, the first daddy, the first mama that ever walked this earth, he made a promise and said, there's going to come a law. There's going to come some statutes. There's going to be some peer pressure. There's going to be some things that try to tell you to do this and be this kind of dad and be this kind of dad. But I want to tell you this from the very beginning, from Genesis 3, you are never meant to bear that burden. You may try and try as you may. You will never be able to be perfect. You will never be able to be holy. You will never be. a. There is going to become a lamb. There is coming a Messiah. There is coming a Satan that will take every commandment that will take every commitment that will take every sin every stain every ill thought every failure every fault and nail it to a cross there was a promise made to that daddy Adam Adam by the sweat of your brow you're going to do your best and by Adam by golly you do your best you be the dad that your kids want to grow up to be you be the husband that your kids want to go up to be. But there's a load that you're not going to be able to carry, son. Don't worry. I'm sending somebody that's going to carry it. Don't worry, Adam. I'm send- there, there's going to be a load that your grandchildren ain't going to be able to carry, Adam. There's going to be some commandments that you're... There was a promise made way back then. He made them coats of skins and he covered them. A symbol of that lamb that would cover our sin. It was a promise made promise made promise kept Jesus Christ it was no mistake it was no mistake that he fulfilled every jot and every tittle you study it out of every one of them 613 laws didn't fault with one of them he fulfilled every one of them 10 commandments didn't fail the test one time didn't have to look on somebody else's sheep for extra credit He fulfilled every jot, every tittle of that law. He fulfilled every commandment, every commitment. Not only that, he resisted every temptation. Satan threw everything he had at him. Satan threw every wicked thought, men. Every temptation, every desire to step out, man. Every temptation, every desire to give up, man. Every temptation, every desire to walk away, man. Every temptation, every desire to quit. Go back home to your Daddy. Go back home to Mama. Jesus, you don't want none of this. Jesus, this is going to be hard. Jesus, they're not going to appreciate it. Jesus, they're not going to want You. Jesus, they're going to ridicule You. Jesus, they're going to murder You. They're going to kill You. They're going to call You bad things. You're not going to have a place to sleep at night. Jesus, this world has nothing for You. Jesus, there's no way You're going to be able to carry this. Just bow to Me. I've already got dominion over the world. I've already got the power over this wretched earth. Just bow to me. You can have it your way. You can get out of all this pain. You can get out of all this suffering. And he said, no, I've got a yoke to carry. I've got a child to save. I've got somebody at Anchor of Hope Baptist Church that needs to hear about the love of God. I've got somebody that wants to have a relationship with God. I've got somebody that's tried to carry it all by themselves. I've got somebody that's tried to carry every commandment and every commitment and everything. under And they've tried to be a good husband and they've tried to be a good dad, but they can't do it Satan I've got to carry the cross for him for him did you know if you were the last man standing Christ would die for you anyway if you were the only man left on this earth you are the only woman left on this earth he died just for you he loves you that much promise made promise kept promise given for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved Miss Joy begins to come. Daddy, you tired of carrying it? What are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. You're tired of carrying it. You're tired of carrying that sin. You're tired of carrying all them broken commandments. You're trying to. You're tired of carrying all them broken promises. You're tired of carrying all them broken commitments. You're trying to. You're, you're tired of carrying all the times that you promised God this and you promised her that and you promised them kids this and you promised and, you, and now all those failures have added up and all those sins have added up. And that burden has become so heavy. That yoke has become so heavy. You're tired of carrying it. Can I tell you something? You were never meant to carry it. Your daddy was never meant to carry it. His daddy was never meant to carry it. What we need is not more fathers that make more money. What we need is not more fathers that have more position or f- more power. What we need is not more fathers that have nicer cars or nicer trucks. Not we, not what we need is not more fathers that can supply a food or supply a bankroll or supply whatever you want to call it. Be able to take their family out to eat. Be able, what we need is some daddies that will follow the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need is some daddies that will pray. What we need is some daddies that will read their Bible. What we need is some daddies that will take their kids to church, not make their kids come to church but live in such a way that their kids don't see hypocrisy on Monday you want to know why them kids don't want to come you want to know why them kids don't follow you it's because you don't follow him you follow him you watch how quick they line up behind you you watch how quick many will line up behind you to go to the place where you are getting recharged every Sunday where you are coming to pray and share burdens on Wednesday As she begins to play standing all over the house you tired of carrying it You tired of carrying it? Why don't you come lay it down? He'll take it.